Welcome to the Deconstructing Data Podcast. I'm Jesse Lezak, CMO at VDEX, along with co-host David Finkelstein, VDEX's co-founder and CEO. Welcome back, David. We've missed you. And, you know, we've been thinking about you as you've been dealing with the damage caused by Hurricane Ian. Um, yeah, th thanks, Jesse. I'm, yeah, thanks. I'm actually wearing my Sanibel Strong t-shirt right here, um, raising money to, uh, to help uh, support my hometown community, which was really decimated by this hurricane. So uh, it's uh, literally been four weeks since the hurricane and, and uh, the town still looks like uh, it uh, is a war zone. So uh, uh, visit soundabellstrong.us and, and donate and get your shirt today if you want. But uh, that's a whole separate issue um, that I'm dealing with on a personal level, but uh, glad to be back and, and sort of in this sort of temporary uh, location for now until I can be back in my home. Well, we're glad to have you back. And we're also glad to have Devaris Brown, CEO and co-founder of Maroxa. He's our guest today. So thank you so much for being here with us, Devaris. Could you please start from the beginning and just tell us your whole story, you know, um, how you came to be where you are and a little bit about Maroxa. Oh, wow. That's uh, <laughs> how much time do we have? Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you the... We'll the give you a three-minute timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the abbreviated version. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I am DeVaris from, from Maroxa. Uh, we, uh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I went to University of Illinois, studied math and computer science. Um, I've always just kind of been in and around the space of providing uh, developers the tools that they need to be productive. And, uh, you know, I, my co-founder and I, we were at uh, Heroku building the world best, uh, uh, you know, platform as a service for web applications. And we realized like, you know what, the, the data ecosystem is just as, as fragmented and, and unwieldy as the web development uh, ecosystem was back in 2007. So, um, we took it upon ourselves to, to form a company, which is called Maroxa. Uh, we are building a streaming application platform as a service uh, where we empower developers and, and teams of, of engineers to build uh, uh, applications and solutions that leverage real-time data. Uh, our, our, our you know, thoughts are essentially, uh, at the end of the day, uh, we want to make sure that, that real-time data is the default for any organization. And then you're not bottlenecked by, by you know, kind of a silo data, data team um, and your innovation can be unbounded because it's just code. All right. There's no drag and drop and all that type of stuff. And so, yeah, that's that's the, the short abbreviated version um, located in the in the Bay Area, uh, California, over in Oakland um, and been here for a while. So, yeah, that's uh, that's me and company and where I'm from and all that good stuff. Well, very cool. Well, I have a connection with you. I grew up in Illinois, not Chicago. Everyone always assumes Chicago when you say yeah. Illinois, um, but Moline, Illinois. And then I lived in Union City, which is like right south of Oakland. Yeah, yeah. You. Moline is uh, out there in the uh, Quad Cities, right? Quad Cities, that's yep. right. You know yep, it. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, great to have you here. Likewise, yeah. glad to be here. Yeah, good stuff. Great to meet you, Devaris. Um, it, so it sounds like you guys are obviously working on some cool stuff. Um, I'm intrigued. Um, and so we're going to jump right into our first topic, which is the future of apps as uh, is real time. And so that's something that you mentioned um, prior to, to this as well. Um, 
And so let's dive in because you describe your product as a developer centric code first tool, right? That lets yeah. software engineers uh, maximize their time spent building data products uh, as opposed to maintaining fragile data systems that were, weren't designed for developers. So that's really interesting. I'd, I'd love for you to explain this a little more, dig a little deeper into what you guys are doing at Maroxa to help transform businesses into using real-time data applications. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you know, as a practitioner, you walk into any uh, modern company and, and streaming is a default, all right? Like, um, you know, there's, there's, and I think, I, you know, when I t talked to you in the green room, it was like, you know, think about Netflix, right? If I log on to Netflix, do I really want to wait five minutes for, for, for me to get uh, recommended movies? No. Right. But that's essentially what would happen if I were to sit there and wait uh, for the, the machine learning models and recommendation models to recompute and you know, like all that type of stuff. Right. And so uh, essentially what we're you know, there's a lot of innovation and uh, that is being blocked because the, the 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 data components are just so crappy. Right. Like it's just really, really, really crappy tools that have. Uh, you know, crazy configuration pro profiles and operating paradigms and things like that. And you multiply that by like just the order of complexity around just having multiple tools that need to talk to each other in some standard and some non-standard ways. Uh, you just walk into an organization, they got, uh, uh, you know, a data ingestion tool, a data orchestration thing, uh, data quality or data monitoring thing. They got a metadata thing. They got a data catalog. You got streaming but you got to run that on Kubernetes and have Zookeeper do that. Then, you know, you got to deploy your application on Docker. Then, you know, it's like all these things that you have to maintain and, and, and update and understand. So you have to be this like T-shaped or, you know, uh, uh, not literal, but figuratively T-shaped kind of, kind of engineer where you have uh, depth and breadth because you need to understand each one of the things at a very deep level, but then, also understand how all of these things can talk to each other. Um, and so for us, uh, what we what we realized was like, look, um, those that have the resources and time uh, and expertise are, are best leveraging real-time data, right? Like all the, the big, uh, 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 big technology companies. But what about that, you know, two-person startup uh, that, that's just getting up and going, all right? That, that wants to you know, monitor, you know, they're building their things, right? And and they don't have the luxury of of uh, hiring out a huge data team, right? Like, what do they, what do we do for them? Am I going to tell them to go to eight to 10 different UIs just to build a pipeline? Or, you know, like, that doesn't make any sense. Am I going to tell them to sign eight to 10 different annual contracts just to get up and going? You know, like, for us, it just doesn't make, make a lot of sense. And so, what we've done is is basically said like, look, if you if you can write code, if you can declare a method off of a variable or an object, uh, you too can be a data engineer. Because really, all you really need to know is where your data is coming from, where it's going, and what format it needs to be when it gets there. Um, and 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 that doesn't mean I know everybody's like, oh well, I can think of all these these like solutions and that that do all those things, but that's not really the case, right? Like at the end of the day, you don't get points for uh, uh, stitching together the thing, you get points for the experience. And if it's taking you six months or, you know, some ungodly amount of time to build that experience or get the infrastructure right so you, you can deliver the experience, you probably already lost the, the interest of your, your, your end consumer, right? And so 
for us is just democratizing this space because we know that real time data is going to be the default. I, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that Netflix example because, um, you know, we're always talking to companies about, you know, the fact that like SMBs are always challenged with trying to keep up with these big tech companies. And one of the things that we found in having these podcasts, the more companies we reach out to and the more uh, companies like yours that we bring on here is what we're learning is that there's a lot of companies emerging that are building tools that are designed for SMBs to be able to compete better with those big tech companies because of you know, automations that they're able to create that, uh, that essentially enable them to do some things like, you know, real-time data, machine learning, whatever, that, you know, historically only those big tech companies that have deep pockets have been able to do. Yeah. But I mean, the, the other piece of that is, is like, why am I building all this infrastructure? If my, like, like you think about Instacart, right? My job is to, to be, to sell groceries, right? And, and to be the, be the virtual supply chain for, for local economies, right? Like that's what Instacart is, right? And so at the end of the day, or the on-demand supply chain, right? So at the end of the day, do I really need to build a Kafka message parser or like, you know, just stuff like that? Like it, it doesn't make sense. All I, you know, what we're, what I'm saying is, is like, look, let's just get back to innovating and, and, and making it easy for people to, innovate and uh let's 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 get the machinery out of the way because you know that yes there is some like engineering pride about building your own thing but at the end of the day it's like we're we're a business that sells groceries or you know that 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 delivers things so why is it that that we have to spend all of this time getting the world that we want to operate in, in into like a you know a decent shape and then we're able to do the thing and like Let's just flip flip that on the head. Bring your business logic, bring your value, and then we can we can go from there. Yeah, totally. exactly. Love Absolutely. it. What, David? I said, yeah, I love that. Yep, absolutely. So, um, are we ready to move into the next topic? All right, let's do it. So, the next one is data liberation as a business imperative. Um, so, I know you know. We were talking about this a little bit in the beginning. Um, I guess Cecile and I, this came in, you know, when we were first planning for this discussion, that's how this topic was inspired. So let's dive right into data liberation um, and as a business imperative. And I think in the note it was, and as a juxtaposition of the priorities of CISOs and the priorities of data scientists and developers and engineers. Could you start us off on this topic, Devaris? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, uh... For me, data liberation takes takes the form of many buzzwords, right? So mm -hmm. you've heard like data mesh and 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 you know data contracts and like all this stuff. But what people are really saying is like, yo, just unbreak these silos, right? Like, oh yeah, makes sense. You know, like at the end of the day, that that that's really all that matters is like I need data to do my job. I don't want to have to send a ticket to a team and like yeah, let the data flow. Exactly. Uh, no pun intended. So, <laughs> the, side, uh, the, the name that we got Maroxa from uh, is is uh, uh, is based off of Mirox, the Mirox process and the oil refinery uh, process. Right. And so uh, the way that you remove impurities from from kerosene, which is jet fuel, is the Mirox process. 
So if data is a new oil, we, we kind of want to power the refinery. So you got to let it flow. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, like, like that's that's really what the teams want to have. And that's what they want to do. Right. Is just let let the data flow and and let it be reliable. Let it be uh, omnipresent. Right. Like it should it should encompass everything that I need to, to make decisions um, for the betterment of the company and on behalf of the user. Right. So whatever role you got you're going to need data to be successful in that, right? Like That's if it's true. not measured, you can't, you can't understand what success is. And so at the end of the day, uh, everybody's like, I, and that's why you're seeing all these tools for like, oh, there's a data tool for the marketing team. There's a data tool for the revenue team. There's a data tool, you know, observability for the engineering team. There's like all of these things, um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, uh, this is all these teams are requiring these things, but then you're still bottlenecked by this one team that you've dumped every responsibility on inside of your organization. Right. So how do you democratize that? How do you how do you make sure that the teams have what they need um, to, to, to do their job and, and to make decisions and to, to innovate? And so what I've been saying is like, look. Data mesh is cool in theory, right? But like actual teams that try to do this, it's just a disaster, right? Like, like you can't have multiple copies of data. What's the source of truth? You know, like all these things. You have to be very, 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 very intentional about it. And so people like Chad Sanderson have talked about data contracts, data modeling, and all these things. Like, look, I, I came from the first dot-com boom, right? We were talking about that stuff way back then. So it's like now it's starting to come into play because we have all these solutions that have just, you know, just exploded the, the the amount of control and the flexibility that people have, that's not necessarily a good thing, right? And so if I'm going to have data flowing for the CISO or the data scientist, I need to go talk to, talk to them and see like, hey, what data are you actually using? What do you need so that I can build a data product for you to go consume so you can do your job a lot faster? You know what the data is going to look like. You know the intervals that it's going to flow. You know where it's going to be. Uh, you know what the data uh, contains. Um, and then here's the interface for you to go consume that, right? Like that could be an API, that can be a, a data lake, that could be a, you know, a database, right? Like be all these things. But the, the biggest thing is when you are trying to, to interface with other parts of the organization, the first thing you need to have is that intentionality, right? And I think that that's a, a conversation that, that that's lost because people are just like, I just want to Zoom. But you know, if I if I go build a house, I say, "Yo, David, man, we got to go down and go build houses. You know, restore houses that were uh, uh, attracted, you know, affected by the hurricane." If I just show up with a hammer and nails and not even talk to the people that that need the houses, right? Some like some people can have disabilities. Some people, you know, like all these things. Just be intentional about it, right? And that's really the the thing that 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 a lot of people are missing out of this like data liberation conversation. That's a great point. It's a good point. I think one of the challenges that that I've seen with a lot of, especially the larger the organization, is data privacy and security, um, because you often have different divisions that want access to data um, and they don't have access to it. And they come to us and they're like, hey, you know, we need this, we need that. And we tell them, OK, good. Where do you want it to go and what's it linking to? And they, they don't even know because they don't even have access to the data. Yeah. And they're like, well, we need to talk to this other team and figure out how we can get access to that data so that we can do that. And, you know, that seems to be a big challenge, especially for these larger organizations. You have thousands of employees. You can't give access to that data to everybody because now how do you control 
what's happening to that data of one rogue employee. And that's, that becomes a, a huge issue for that company. Um, and so that, that is also a very big challenge. Yeah. You want to make sure that everyone has access to the data so that they can do uh, certain things with it and, and activate it and use it effectively. But on the other hand, you have to control who has access to that data um, and, and limit that in ways too, because then, you know, otherwise it becomes, yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, these companies have the responsibility to protect our data that they're holding. So at the same time, that means, unfortunately, limiting access to that data internally as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make it in too much of a commercial for Maroxa, but but I I, a thousand percent agree, right? Like, at the end of the day, um, engineers and security are always going to be at odds. Like, like like security (laughs) is always just like, yo, what are you doing? Please stop. (laughs) Like, you know, that's that that's always going to be the default uh, security uh, response. But look, at the end of the day, uh, if if the data is flowing in real time. All right. And so and I, I talk about, you know, one of the projects that, that we're working on, right, is like we're we're working with the Department of Defense. There's a lot of people that need information in real time. A lot of them have different security clearances. So it basically you see the amount of levels of, of granularity, like it, it gets less and less as your security clearance gets less, or is, you know, is lower. Um, but because real time data is flowing, like I can set up four security buckets with four clearances. I can do stream processing on data that flows in real time, the same data set, and then dump it in, you know, redact whatever it is, just based off of that that thing, uh, based off of your security clearances. Like that's the world that I'm I'm trying to live in, right? Like I, I'm trying to again that intentionality where it's like, hey, you're this random team that needs access to this data set and these tables. Unfortunately, you can't have it. Uh, but what I can give you is this. And if I give it to you in this bucket or this place, is this going to be enough for you to go do your job? And that's just a conversation. Right. And like, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of people think that software can can solve a lot of this stuff. And I would say, yeah, it can do a lot. But most of it is just people and process. All right. Like, let's just go have a conversation before we before we actually embark on this journey. Let's have a conversation to understand what is what is really going on and what are the outcomes that we really want to see. It's a great point, which, by the way, I don't know if you guys heard my Google Home came on and it started playing a Spotify station called Data Liberation. If anyone was interested, there's a Spotify <laughs> <radio> station. <laughs> That's okay. Things I learned today. <laughs> yeah, it's a hot topic, apparently, and a radio station. No, That's this funny. is all good stuff. I mean, yeah, it's a... That's a good, that's a good point, Devaris. And I think that, you know, um, you made a note of not making this commercial, but the reality is people need to know that there are solutions available to tackle these, these um, challenges because we run into this all the time. And uh, a lot of times companies are just like, well, you know, we just can't do that because we don't have access to that data. Um, and it's like your own data, it's internal, but you don't have access. And so, they're, you know, they're challenged internally with how to solve problems. And so, uh, you know, it's important for uh, them to know that there's solutions, you know, available to help them with these challenges. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the, the thing is, is like, like I say, these ingredients have been around for a very long time. We just learned how to how to manipulate them and make better meals in people. I mean, like, that's, that's just mm-hmm. what it is at the end of the day. 
Um, and I think like, you know, uh, like you say, knowing what's out there is, is one thing, but like having a clear uh, understanding as to the outcomes that you want to, that you want to uh, see is, is also equally as important because then it helps you work backwards to figure out what, what is the, the solutions or the methods that are going to help you achieve whatever your vision uh, is at the end of the day. And I think that, that like, you know, we, we, we put, especially as leaders, right. We put a lot of uh, uh, responsibility on our teams to just deliver. And, and a lot of times, like we don't give them the, the soft instructions to like, yo, let's just go talk to these people uh, that can help unblock them and unbound them. And I think like, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, Maroxa can do a lot, but so can a conversation, right? Like so can planning, you know, mm-hmm. so can intentionality, Education. right? Like that's the, that's the thing where, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, there's another side rant. This is like podcast material anyway. Right. But um, it, it, it's, it's kind of, when I talk to people about this and I realize what I'm saying, it's like, I grew up using the scientific method all the time. I think of experiments, right? Like I got, you know, there's a hypothesis, there's, totally. you know, expected Same thing result, in marketing. you yeah. know, it's, it's just like, yo, this is, this is, is people, we just make it so much harder than it needs to be. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. if I think about this thing as an experiment, as a can thing that has an objective that has a, you know, there's methods to go do that. Then we make it a lot easier to, to understand the impact of the decisions that we make. That's a really important point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Keeping it simple, you know, like going back to the scientific method and just keep it simple. Yeah. I have a question yeah. for both of you. Um, these these clips are like, you know, recording, we're recording live on LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitter, but then we repurpose these. It goes out as a podcast and we've been repurposing and putting mobile videos on TikTok. And I've been monitoring what a lot of marketers are saying on TikTok. And they're talking a lot about, you know, producing content that's pain informed. So, you know, a lot of the time we want to just like educate our audience, but we need to educate them on their pains so that they know what the solution would be. So like, here is your pain. So what would you both say would be like those pain? Like, how would you inform people of their pain so they would know there's a solution to become data liberated? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think of it as like, it's so funny how, how, how people like kind of crystallize things. But while you were saying that I thought of the infomercials at like two o'clock in the morning, you know, where it's like, they ask you five questions. You're like, yeah, I feel that way. Yeah, I do that. That's happened to me. Let me go ahead and do this for 1999 for shipping and handling. Right. Like, like that's, the, <laughs> that's the, that's what I thought about as soon as you said that. Right. Like, Oh wow. That's interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, to, to answer your question is is the pains that, that we see, it just depends on who we're talking to, right? And so if I'm talking to a business leader or a technical decision maker, who's our primary uh, uh, kind of persona that we're going after, it's more so about um, saving money, saving time and saving resource or empowering resource, right? And so if I can get, the same amount of innovation and velocity without spending more money, time and, and hiring more people, then yeah, I might be more inclined to listen. All right. Um, to individual contributors, like engineers, we say like, yo, we're the Lucius Fox here, Batman, right? Like we know that you have to go out and do these heroic acts 
but here's a tool set for you to go make that a lot easier, right? Where your battering, if you want to have that, you know, and where the where the Batmobile, um, and that's really the the thing, especially you know, as we've learned, engineers always they know that they need a platform as a service. They just want to be the ones that built it, all right. And so if they can see themselves in that platform, because you know, usually if I go talk to a CTL, tell them like, "Yo, Marox is great." First thing they do is kick it over to an engineer and like, "Yo, vet this out." And now it's kind of like, okay, well, do I see myself in this platform? Do I have enough freedom and flexibility to uh, to, to to complete the jobs that I want? Right, like that's the that's the the conversation that, that the conversations that we have. That's interesting. Well, um, should I jump into that next topic? Is there anything else you guys want to add on data liberation? I guess I didn't give you a chance, David, to answer that. So, pain informed decisions. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly an interesting question. I think um, I think that there's we've seen a lot of situations where a pain point is related to someone trying to solve a problem, right? And so when we talk to someone about trying to solve that problem, I think the biggest thing that we see is people are also often trying to build a solution to solve a problem, and I think that you know, that's okay. If you have the sort of, um, you know, time, if you don't have a time constraint related to what you're trying to solve. But I think that nine times out of 10, there's already a solution out there that exists to solve your problem. And you're probably better off actually using an existing solution. Um, and then using that solution to solve your short term problem, you know, solve your problem on, on the short term. And it in the long term, you think you can build something to work more effectively, then by all means, go ahead and do it. But I think that a lot of times people go to solve the problem by building first. And I think that that um, produces more problems than, than, uh, um, you know, than you're, you know, expecting. So the outcome is very, very long. And a lot of times we see that fail because of that. And so you go into this problem and you're like, oh, I'm going to solve this whole problem. Six months later, you haven't solved the problem yet. And so if there's a solution that will allow you to do it today, by all means, do that solution today. And then, you know, use that solution, even if it's a short term solution, use that as a solution that brings you and closes the gap to you solving the long term solution. That is really great advice. Um, well, we typically on our third topic, you get into tech stack and mm. we like to ask you what your favorite tools are. This could be anything, um, you know, from your your data stack to whatever, just like makes your life, you know, more efficient. Um, and we try to keep up with what you're saying and tag them in the comments. So okay. Okay. curious, what are your favorite tools in your tech stack? I mean, I might be biased, but, you know, Maroxa is everything that we that we do. Like we eat our own. Well, sorry, you can't say eat your own dog food anymore. <laughs> uh, we drink our own champagne or, or Martinelli if you're non-alcoholic, um, you know, uh, because it's just so, it's, it's like I wish I would have had this so much earlier in my career. Um, you know, we talk about uh, I gave the like preamble, but. Uh, I was an engineer on on uh, one of the world's largest distributed systems uh, coming out of coming out of school. Right. Like we were building uh, stuff at Microsoft. Right. Like hundreds of millions of users and all of that. And just trying to keep all that stuff coordinated and getting alerts and 
you know, doing automations and things like that. It's like, yo, this would have been so much easier for us to to to, to get going. Um, I think uh, other things that I that I that I use uh, and I'm super happy about um, uh, Red Panda, the the Kafka uh, replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like it. I dig it. Um, also got to give a shout out to our open source tool conduit, which is a Kafka connect replacement. So if you start to see what I'm doing here, I'm, I'm building the modern data stack here without, without, uh, talking about anybody else. Uh, what was the third one? you said Maroxa red panda data and then-, and then conduit our, uh, Kafka, Kafka connect replacement. So now I can have, uh, a, basically a JVM stream, if a JVM free st- a streaming environment. So just imagine what 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 that does for your for your bills at the end of the month. Um, I like uh, Cockroach DB. Uh, I like what they're doing. Is it um, Cockroach? Yeah, Cockroach DB. Yeah, we you know that's a good good homie of mine, Nate Stewart. Uh, I've known known him for years. Um, they're doing some great things on on the database front that, that I really like. Materialize uh, is also a really cool. Uh, kind of uh, is based off of the timely data flow project, but uh, they're doing a, like a streaming database. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, got a shout out of the Heroku replacement because you know I like I like Render. I've uh, been using them quite a bit uh, for like side projects and things because Heroku just basically imploded, uh, which is very very sad to me. Um, trying to think what else. I really like Retool. Uh, that's that's uh that's something that that we use quite a bit internally uh to build quick dashboards to do uh you know just do quick things um and and give visibility around the organization i think that's pretty much it oh and i built everything in in ember js like that's my everybody's you know on the to, to all these fancy things like uh you know they they use react they use vue you know, some of these other things that are out there, Next.js, blah, blah, blah. But for me, I just, I, I like the, the 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 predictability and the, the convention over configuration when I'm building uh, single page applications that Ember.js uh, gives me. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the the Devara stack and things I like that, that I use. The only one I couldn't find was cockroach and what was the second word because i don't think they're maybe they're just not on linkedin then maybe that's like yeah cockroach db yeah i'm trying but i'll, I'll spell it out just because i don't think they're on here oh yeah cockroach oh, is it, is it cockroach baker by chance no 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 it's no. cockroach labs cockroach labs yeah. labs you need to see yeah now everybody can this is like great for for your buddy cockroach lab though everybody's gonna go search him now no, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's hey, great. David, have wait. I ever asked you that question? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Our tech stack, you'd have to ask DW, not me. I'm the wrong person. So, like, what's that. your favorite? Like, even like your day to day, like your Calendly link, you know, like what, what's your, if you had to pick well, like three? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Calendly um, has, you know, saves a lot of time on my calendar, but uh, I really like Jira. I mean, I know we use Jira internally for all our, um, you know, management of all our tickets and, and, uh, and development. So, uh, I think that's another big one. Um, what else? I like QuickSight also. Um, you know, we've been using QuickSight for, um, for a lot of the reporting internally. And, uh, I think that's probably my, would be my third. 
Interesting, interesting stuff. So we'll we got a, we have got a question from DW actually. Do we? Oh, we got we've got two comments. So I think this is probably related to our topic earlier when we were talking about uh, infomercials. Act now yeah. and we'll include, uh -huh. include a bamboo sticker. Um, apart from the government, what other clients does Maroxa have? Yeah, we go we go all the way from two person startup all the way to Fortune five, right? Like like that type of thing. So. We, uh, we serve a lot of different uh, verticals and use cases and, you know, everything from like oil and gas and energy to, to financial services to, uh, you know, uh, HR stuff and, you know, that type of thing. Like, you know, have data will move. And that's that's really the, the, the biggest thing. It's, it's been really cool to see how people, uh, uh, you know, are, are leveraging us and all the weird wacky ways that, that, that they do. Um, because you just never, when you build a general platform, it's always just, just kind of, it's interesting to see how people uh, see their value in you. Right. Uh, also, before we go, I, I have to say, David, you're probably the first person I've ever heard say that they love Jira. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it off for a second. I was like, somebody said that out loud. Uh, I, I I like it because it's it's organized a lot of things for us internally. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know. So, but yeah. uh, what was I just gonna say? Uh, I forgot what I was saying. What would be like another developer um, project management platform that? Because like for marketers, there's like Monday.com and ClickUp and like all these other ones, you know. But they're obviously not as extensive for, as what developers need. Yeah. I mean, we use GitHub, GitHub projects internally because it keeps everything all in the, for developers, keeps everything all in the, in the same place where they're, they're spending most of their time anyway. Um, but there's another tool that I like called linear um, for, for mm -hmm. developers. And uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, like, yeah. look, there, there's a ton of these uh, project management uh, kind of tools that are out there. Yeah. I've done everything from notion to Google Sheets, to, you know, some of the Jira, to... I was Did you like Notion? Group. I've heard a lot about Notion. I've never yeah, tried Notion's it. Cool. Notion's cool. Oh. Um, it's, it's, it's like if SharePoint wasn't built by Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you know? Um, it's, it, it, it's really, really, really uh, useful for us. Uh, you know, that's what we use internally, too, but there's all these like, like, you know, uh, different places where, but I will say this, uh, the thing I like the most, if you're using Jira and Confluence at the same time, you can actually embed the, the, the ticket stuff in the, in the, in the Confluence articles. And like, it just makes for a very, very interesting kind of like, and it updates and all that type of stuff. So you go yep. to the doc, you can see like, oh yeah, for this project, this is the, the tickets that we have and we, I can actually see the status. So I have to multiple click through the thing. So Definitely. Well, that's cool. Yep. I didn't know that. We do have seven minutes. So I, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you one more question. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just curious, you know, if you could go back to when you first came into the industry, what is the number one piece of advice you would give yourself? Ooh, number one piece of advice that I would give myself. Um, Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm, I'm like going back to 21 year old Devaris, and it's scary, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you probably shouldn't have did that one, dog. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would say, uh, yeah, that was, that was what 2004. I would say, and this is just general guidance uh, to everybody: like, um, ask better questions. Don't think you know everything, right? Like, like. You know, we talked about the intentionality and scientific method and like all that type of stuff throughout the conversation, but it's taken me a while to get there. Right. And and like, you know, at the end of the day, um, I'm pretty good at what I do, but but I got to that next level realizing like I, there were things that I didn't know. And I just need to humble myself and ask questions to, to, to understand. Like, I think the thing back then that what I did was people assumed because I went to a certain school or I did certain projects that I knew certain things and I would just buy into it. Cause I'm like, yo, fake it till you make it. Um, but the thing that's helped me ascend, you know, professionally and even personally, right. Is, you know, just ask questions uh, so that I can understand it. Um, so I can make sure that there's no ambiguity and I can deliver the thing that, that the people actually want. Right. Like, you, know, you can go through the five whys. You can go through all that type of stuff. Like, there's all these frameworks and things that you can do. But at the end of the day, is just be empathetic and ask more questions or ask better questions. That's how that's how I boil down to it. That really yeah. is. It's big... so it, it's so true. It's a great point. And uh, you know, for anyone that's read Good to Great, I don't know if you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you you learn that uh, the best leaders are humble, and so you know it's those that that can admit that they don't know everything that actually will be the you know most successful because uh they rely on other people that know more than them um and you end up building a team of good people around you and that makes you much more successful yeah i mean i I agree like like the thing that that trips me out is i've had all these signals around my life uh 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 oh, david dw is going in uh I've had all these signals, <laughs> i think he's got a delay yeah around in my life that 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 have told me like my granddad um was uh he built a like a, a, a aluminum smelting plant basically like aluminum recycling right a metal recycling he didn't have a I, I don't know how i don't think he graduated high school but somehow he got a degree from illinois institute of technology uh going to night school or whatever but I always used to ask him, like, you know, uh, how are you able to do the things that you that you do? And he just tell me flat out, just hire people that are smarter than you and you learn from. Them. Right. And mm-hmm. I never really understood that until, like, I got older because you spend so much in your early career trying to prove you are you are that person. Right. <laughs> but, but it's like nah, in team sports, I got the best person on, you know, like there's these these things. My granddad's telling me to go find the best team. And then now I get to professional work where it's like I'm battling with the person next to me for for bonus and title, you know, and it just it didn't make sense. And so there was like this individuality baked in. But it was like, yeah, we can uh, we can go uh, so much farther and do so many things when, you know, you just you just humble and just say, look, this person is the best at the, whatever it is that they do in the world, at the, whatever it is that their expertise is. But so am I. But like we can learn from each other and just to be humble in that. I think DW is asking. So the last question he asked, by the way, was what tech stack things do you dislike? Kubernetes. Easy. <laughs> right? like, like I don't I don't understand how Kubernetes is a thing. Uh, I don't understand 
like why people do this to themselves uh, every single day. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is the worst developer. Like it's like the best and worst thing at the same time. Like I, I love the orchestration aspect of it. I love, uh, you know, the paradigms that they introduced around containerization and execution uh, of containers and all of that. But running that, I, and I've done this at multiple companies now, is, is literally the worst developer experience I've ever seen on anything that's been this widely adopted. Like, I, I just don't get how this is a major company platform that they, you know, give out to people uh, and they expect people to, to like, that, that aren't rocket scientists to run this. Like, if you see, oh, the other thing that I hate is, like, people trying to make SQL into everything. Like, I've seen so many of these, like, SQL as this startups. And it's like, have you seen some of these gnarly SQL queries that look like war and peace? Like, <laughs> right? Like, it's not readable. You can't follow this stuff. Like, there's it just, we just need to stop all of that. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's, yeah, those are the two things where I'm just like, yo, we, we there has to be something better. Um, and, and somebody's going to do this at, at, at some point and I will throw them every amount of money that, that I have, but like, we just gotta, we gotta get away from, from, from doing things that are, uh, just making it more complex for people to innovate. And as you can see, there might be a theme here for me, but. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Well, I think we've finally come to that time. So I'm going to go ahead and throw up our banner that um, if anybody would like to create an OmniIQ account, you can just scan this QR code if you are watching the video version of this, of course, not from a podcast. Um, also, I am sad to report that Josh, our other co-host who's typically here, won't be able to attend the Deconstructing Data podcast for a while, um, though he is still helping us on the back end. Um, so, you know, we'll be glad maybe one day he can come back, but if you find the deconstructing data podcast interesting, you might like checking out our Omni IQ, like I said, so you can literally just upload a CSV file of your first party data, see complementary analytics on it, and then, you know, create an audience with machine learning based on your first party data. So it's still molded and, you know, it's new, it's being molded. So customer feedback is really essential. So create an account, it's free. Um, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to hear from listeners about the show. So please share any of your qualitative feedback with info at bdex.com. That's all I have for today. It's been a great time talking with you, Devaris. Thank you for joining us. And David, I'm so glad you're back. Me too. Right. Me too. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. And Devaris, it was great uh, meeting you and, uh, Glad you could join us. Likewise, likewise. Give a give another shout out for the Santa Bell T-shirt, man. Yes, mm, thank you. David on full screen because earlier <laughs> he was saying that. Yep. That's what's right. the What's the website, David? Maybe I can put that in the comments here. Sure. Good? Yeah, it's just SantaBellStrong.us. SantaBellStrong.us. You said. Yep. All right. I'm putting it in the comments now. Awesome. Thank you. All right. No problem. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and close out with our outro video here. <laughs>